Major support for Carolina Business Review provided by Grant Thornton. Operating in more than 100 countries, our tax audit and advisory professionals specialize in helping companies unlock their growth potential. Colonial Life, providing benefits to employees to help them protect their family, their finances, and their futures. High Point University, the premier life skills university, focused on preparing students for the world as it is going to be. And Sonoco, a global manufacturer of consumer and industrial packaging products and provider of packaging services with more than 300 operations in 35 countries. Welcome to the most widely watched and longest running dialogue about Carolina business, policy, and public affairs that's seen every week across North and South Carolina. I'm Maura Quinn sitting in for Chris William. It's already midsummer, and while it's really not a normal vacation year by any means, many of you have already planned or maybe even taken a trip, probably one that's close to home. At least that's what our guests are hoping. Dwayne Parrish is director of South Carolina's Department of Parks, Recreation, and Tourism, and Whit Tuttle is executive director of Visit NC. We'll talk to both about Carolina travel and tourism in just a moment. Stay right there. Gratefully acknowledging support by Martin Marietta, a leading provider of natural resource-based building materials, providing the foundation upon which our communities improve and grow. Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, an independent licensee of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Visit us at SouthCarolinaBlues.com. The Duke Endowment, a private foundation enriching communities in the Carolinas through higher education, healthcare, rural churches, and children's services. Bearings, a leading global asset management firm dedicated to meeting the evolving investment and capital needs of its clients. Learn more at bearings.com. On this edition of Carolina Business Review, Dwayne Parrish from the South Carolina Department of Parks, Recreation and Tourism, and Whit Tuttle of Visit NC. Welcome to Carolina Business Review. The hospitality and tourism industry has taken such a hard hit in the wake of COVID-19 from one end of the Carolinas to the other. For so many reasons, not just COVID-19, there have been a lot of other things that have really added to the hits. Our two guests are gonna help us unpack all of the issues around this. Some of them new, some of them old, and some of the hopes for a runway to recovery. So we have Dwayne Parrish, who is the director of the South Carolina Department of Parks, Recreation and Tourism. And we also have Whit Tuttle, who is the executive director of Visit NC. They are really good friends of the show. They've been on many times and they have a lot of expertise in this area. Welcome gentlemen, so glad to have you. Thank you. So we've seen a lot of changes in both Carolinas, even in the last few days, lots of things have happened. The Carolina's tourism industry has just taken so many hard hits from stay-at-home orders and beyond, nearly employees in this industry have lost their jobs. How would you both describe things today? And Dwayne, we'll start with you, if that's okay. Sure. Um, just a little quick background. We started out the year actually ahead of the prior year. We thought 2020 would be another record year. Um, and then obviously things took a, hit, took a turn south at the beginning of March. Um, we saw it sort of bottom out middle of April. Um, we started that really what I think is a crawl, walk, run process to come back. 
Um, we're probably at the end of the crawl phase and starting to walk a little bit. We've seen some increases, um, particularly in the drive market where we're headed. Um, Whit and I are both fortunate that we, a lot of our visitors drive to the state. In a time like this, that's very helpful. But we're, we have a long way to go, but we're going the right direction. And I can see light at the end of the tunnel for the, for the first time, quite frankly, in a month or so, in several months. Yeah. And Whit, how about you? Yeah, it's, you know, it's been a tremendous hit for us. Tourism is a $26 billion industry in North Carolina. We've lost about $6 billion in, in visitor spending, which equates to about $200 million in state tax revenue and about $150 million in, in local tax revenue. So it's really tough. You know, at some one point we were down 77 78% of where we would normally be. Um, and, you know, we've seen um, unemployment rates in the tourism industry as high as 48% there. Uh, so it's been a really tough time. We hit a wall and tourism just stopped. Uh, we talk a lot about what life would look like without tourism. and Unfortunately, we got to see it uh, the first part of this year. But uh, but now I think we're coming back. As Dwayne said, we're starting to walk. We're trying to take it right and uh, and open in the right way. And I think we're, we're getting there. So the governor in North Carolina instituted a mandatory mask order. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? And we're going to see if South Carolina might be considering that as well. Yeah, we think it's a good thing. You know, we've, uh, we've, we've done some national research. We've been polling people for traveler mindset every week. And one of the things that I think we saw is that about 55% of the people said they would prefer more people wearing masks. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I think it's a good thing. I think uh, but one of the big problems we're seeing is fear. People are afraid uh, to travel and they're afraid to have visitors come into their communities. So I really think anything we can do to, to, to take away that fear and ease people's minds will help. And if it's wearing a mask or, or making sure you're keeping the social distance, I think any of that stuff is important. Dwayne, what do you think? South Carolina might consider something like that or not? Well, we've had, the governor would rather it be industry-born. Uh, we've had a lot of programs, like the South Carolina Restaurant Lodging Association has a program that uh, restaurants sign a pledge, basically agree to do certain things, one of which is wearing staff wearing a mask and some of those other programs. But individual cities have passed some mask ordinances, like Charleston, Columbia, and Greenville have passed them, uh, where it requ a requirement wearing masks in public. So we have some of that going on now. The mask is quickly becoming the... Uh, uh, like the TSA was after 9-11, making it safe to travel, safe to fly. The mask is sort of becoming the symbol of making it safe to go out and do things, whether it's a hotel, attraction, restaurant, uh, and the like. So you talked a little bit about the market and the restaurants. So are individual industries, individual restaurants, individual cities, are they beginning to do things that like some restaurants saying, no, thank you for saying we can open, but we're not going to. So is the industry beginning to kind of police itself and make its own decisions regardless of what the government says, regardless of what the, the governors, regardless of what the cities say? Are some of these industries specific restaurants, hotels, are they making their own decisions about what they should do, knowing that if they open, close, open, close, open, close, that's almost worse than not opening or opening slowly. Uh, um, with, it is, or, or Dwayne, go ahead, Dwayne. I'm sorry, yeah, it is, that's exactly what's happened. I think the industry is in sort of the new norm, if you will, has sort of policed themselves a little bit, still trying to figure out what that is, you know, social distancing, um, keeping staff and employees wearing masks, those kinds of, and the smart operators are doing that. Um, 
but once we reopen businesses, you know, the, the cows have left the barn as they speak. And so it's difficult to go back and close. And you're right. You, you don't want to open, close, open, close. That makes a, does not do anyone any good. But I think, you know, most things in our state are open. We still have large event venues like concert venues, movie theaters, uh, live performance theaters are not open yet. But most everything else is in place with obviously new social distancing protocols and things of that nature are, um, and most of the operators are practicing that. Because quite frankly, with social media today, the consumer can police you if you don't do it yourself. Yeah, that's true. What, how about you? what are you seeing? Yeah, I would say, you know, the businesses are businesses. They've got to make money. So we've had some restaurants and other businesses that could open that have said they're not going to open yet, either because they don't think they can be profitable under, under the current restrictions or because, uh, you know, they, they, they don't think they can keep their staff safe and healthy. So we have some that haven't, but many of them are. Most of our restaurants are open. We've done a program called Count on Me NC, uh, where there's actual guidelines that people can take. It's a pledge consumers can take, but we also have a side of that for businesses. Uh, and we've had some courses uh, designed by North Carolina State University that talk about clean sanitation, proper hygiene, and ways to run a business. So uh, our tourism businesses can take those courses and then they become Count on Me NC certified. And you can go to countonmenc.org and uh, you can find out which businesses have taken that. So we're trying to take all these measures to make people feel as safe and comfortable as possible. So do you think that some of these um, hospitality and tourism leaders and operators, uh, are counting you among them, are having a little bit of a difficult time walking that line um, between being responsible voices for state leadership, responsible voices for um, opening, not opening, when there are other businesses that are just rushing to open, we've got to open, we've got to make money. We saw an early dash to normalcy in Myrtle Beach and Charleston, Wilmington, Asheville, Raleigh, even some places in Charlotte. People are not shy about congregating. Is it a little bit of a tough line to walk? Uh, wit? Yeah. Yeah, How tough is it to walk? It's very delicate. You know, there's never been anything like this. Uh, you know, businesses have to run and people have jobs and, and we've seen what this does to the economy. Um, so, you know, there is, there's a, a need to get this back open for everybody's sake. Um, but as we said, you know, what you don't want to do is, is do it too quickly, do it wrong, and then have to go back to square one all over again. Because then I, I don't know that a lot of these businesses can come back. Dwayne? Yes, I, I agree with Wit. This is, there's not a playbook for this. This is all new. It's a fine line for people to walk. I think they, um, the business operators are still sort of figuring that out, but we're in a better place than we were 30 days ago, um, whether it's social distancing. Um, and I think the consumer is starting to figure this out more too. They take it more seriously now. I see more consumers wearing masks when they go out. It is just, you know, it's an, it's an adaption period that we're sort of in right now. But I think we'll, We'll work through this, and as we go through this crawl, walk, run processing, we'll come out of the other side okay. Yeah. So are you starting to see some encouraging signs, like short-term rentals maybe coming back? Are you starting to see people starting to come back? What are the encouraging signs that you're starting to see, Dwayne? We've seen, yeah, you, you, you hit the nail on the head, Mark. I mean, short-term rentals have done pretty well through this whole thing. I mean, they were doing pretty well before COVID hit, and because of the, I think the space and square footage they offer, and especially in kitchens, um, people that need to stay somewhere for a while are in that mode where short-term rentals are very attractive. Extended stay products in the hotel market like Residence Inn and fare better uh, than standard hotels. 
But the hotel chains, you know, like Marriott and Hilton have come out with cleaning protocols, um, sealing doors and those kinds of things that have made them look attractive as well. So I think it's just a matter, as I mentioned before, about people feeling safe in the new norm, consumers out traveling. But it's, it's a different time. I mean, it's a different time. You know, it used to be you wanted the maid to come in or the room attendant to come in every day uh, and clean your room. Now you really don't want anybody coming in your room. So things have just changed a lot. Yeah, Whit, how about you? Yeah, we're, we're seeing uh, some really strong business. Uh, when, uh, when things open back up, I had one of our major uh, vacation rental companies tell, told me they had four of the strongest days in their history in bookings. Uh, right after Memorial Day. So the mountains and the coast, we're seeing a lot of great leisure travel. And I think, you know, I think North Carolina and South Carolina, we're positioned well for the type of vacations people want to take sort of in this, in this COVID world. Uh, you know, we, we have the outdoors, we have the scenery, we have the beaches. That's what people want. And so we're seeing really strong pickup there. We're, we're just not getting into more urban areas and meetings and conventions, you know, they're just not happening. They're not allowed to happen. So we're struggling from that point, but on the leisure side, I think we're, we're doing fairly well. Um, and I think we'll, we'll continue to. So what, how long of a trajectory is this realistically for a rebound in tourism? It has taken such a deep blow and not just tourism short-term, people going into the outdoors, but you mentioned meetings and conventions. That has been a deep blow. How, and travel, just, travel how long and how difficult a road back will this be realistically what do you think with yeah i think we'll get back 80 90 percent of where we were pretty quickly um people want to travel we're, we're primarily leisure destinations Dwayne mentioned earlier we're primarily drive markets that's all going to come back uh, the challenge is that uh, that that last 15 20 percent uh, I just don't know that we're going to be able to do that without big meetings, conventions, uh, or, you know, the density that we need to, to really to get back to the levels we were before. So I, I think it's going to be a long time before we get to 100%. How long a time are you thinking? What, what kind of timeline is, are, are, do you really, really have? When you guys sit together, when you and your team sit together, what kind of timeline are you thinking? Well, I think it we're talking years not months until we get back to 100 percent okay Dwayne how about you yeah more which right the corporate traveler is not back yet um, including meetings and conventions they're just not the leisure traveler has come back quite a bit as Whit mentioned there was a lot of cabin fever being locked down for a couple of months we saw that right after some things opened up in early May we're seeing that now even through June uh, which, right, I think by the end of this calendar year, we should be close to 80, 90 percent of where we were before. That last 10 to 20 percent, though, is the profitability for many hotels and attractions and restaurants. And so that's important. We get that part back. You know, a lot of that will depend on a vaccine, obviously. Um, air traffic will have to come back. And people have to feel safe to fly again. I think as this thing works just through itself, um, people are becoming more and more comfortable. You know, the percentage of people who are willing to go out to eat in a restaurant uh, 30 days ago was much lower than it is today. So we hope that trend continues as we go through this. So much of what is happening here is driven by psychology, by how people feel. Do they feel safe? Do they feel like they can do these things? And how, how much of an impact does it have when we see things like the Northeast states, a whole group of Northeast states saying that 
that travelers from the Carolinas will have to do a 14 day quarantine before they can even come to their states. So what kind of, what kind of uh, psyche, what kind of impact does that have on the psyche of the people in, in the Carolinas, do you think, of travelers, of people who are thinking about traveling out and people who are thinking about traveling in? Does, does that impact at all those kinds of messaging that, that we're getting? Well, I think for us, come, you know, for people coming into South Carolina or North Carolina, you know, that doesn't help us any, obviously. I mean, I would much rather see political leaders talk about um, traveling safe, regardless of where you go, wearing a mask, social distancing, those things that people are just now starting to learn to do on a regular basis. You know, it doesn't help anyone when states are singled out, because quite frankly, you can get it anywhere. But nonetheless, it has a negative impact. Um, you know, you don't want to see that. I sort of look at some of this that the virus is almost like a hurricane in some respects. We still market, we just market around it. Um, we can't control it. And it's the same way with a hurricane or a potential hurricane, whether it hits, it doesn't hit, the damage it does or doesn't do. We just sort of have to work around that. And this is a similar situation, except it's a much longer period of time. Yeah, Whit, how about you? Yeah, I, I think we send uh, more more New Yorkers come down here to vacation than uh, than we send up to New York. So, and I don't see the difference between a New Yorker who's been in North Carolina and a North Carolinian going up to New York. So, I think a lot of that is politics. Uh, but it is dangerous for us because people are monitoring social media and they're watching the news, and we see it. People, as the stories are, things are getting better. People get more comfortable about traveling. When they see stories about spikes in coronavirus, people get less comfortable about traveling and more nervous. So I think things like that don't really help because it's, it's a unified approach. I mean, a visitor that drives I-95 is going through a bunch of different states. And so it doesn't matter where they're from, it's really where they've been that's more important. Yeah. So both of you monitor what's happening in tourism and recreation all across both Carolinas. Are there things that you're seeing in individual communities and individual places that you say, wow, that is really um, creative, that is innovative. Somebody there is really thinking and doing something that's gonna really lead us. That's gonna, those people are leaders. What are, what are some of the things that are happening um, in some of these communities that are innovative? And well, I'll tell you something I think is, is great that was done. Um, we're just talking with somebody from, uh, from Burke County uh, in North Carolina, and they've done a thing where they're calling uh, streeteries. So they've taken a big part of their main street and they've blocked it off and allowed the restaurants to come out and use that capacity into the street to be able to, to serve more people and serve them outside in a safe and socially distant way. So I think that's a neat way uh, towns are adjusting and, and, trying to help the tourism businesses out and do it in a safe and responsible way. Great. And uh, Dwayne, have you seen some, um, some innovative things that communities are doing across South Carolina? I have. Something similar to what Whit talked about. A lot of our restaurants have used the sidewalk outside to expand outdoor capacity. It's a time of year where people want to be outdoors, um, not to mention the cabin fever they have after been locked up for a few months. And so the innovative restaurants, the innovative areas in downtowns have done some of those kinds of things. But also those that offer outdoor spacing, you think about parks, think about hiking, those kinds of things where uh, a lot of outdoor space is available. That's where they've really pushed the envelope and had more people. We've had some of our trails in the upstate in Table Rock State Park. Um, we've had some trails where we had the highest number of hikers in the month of May and June ever in the history of the trails. Um, our state parks had the busiest month it's ever had in the month of May. 
that is that um, a combination of the time of year, wanting to be outdoors, wanting big space, and then the cabin fever of being locked up for a while. I think people are wanting to go out and go to a lot of open places and communities sort of embrace that and people have opened up to that. So I want to ask you a question that's uh, kind of based in, in what's really happening now, and that's um, part of both states' tourism is really based around history, and a lot of that is around Confederate history. What is the impact of a lot of the, the angst and a lot of the work that's being done around Confederate history um, in our states? Confederate monuments are coming down in cities around our both of our states. What is the impact on on historic tourism in both states? And I'll start in South Carolina, Duane. Sure, well, Charleston's our most historic city, um, mm -hmm. not, only just, not only just during the, uh, the Civil War, but also during the Revolutionary War. There are a tremendous number of battle sites from both the Revolution as well as the Civil War that took place. History is a part of why people come to South Carolina and North Carolina. Um, I think that will continue. It's always important to tell the story. Um, I think a lot of our places throughout the South uh, in both North, both of the Carolinas um, do a good job of telling the story, but I think today more of them are being more inclusive in what they tell about the past, um, be it good, bad, or ugly. I think that's changing, and that's what's different from today versus five to ten years ago. Yeah, what? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I think we're better off telling a more inclusive and complete story, and uh, if people appreciate history, they'll appreciate that part of it, too, and I, and I think that's a side that's been underserved and, and hasn't really been told. It's interesting, we have a program and several states do it, it's Civil War Trails. Um, and people asked us, well, are we gonna stop that program? And we said, no, you know, we, we just, the main thing is to tell the whole story. And we felt that program is telling that entire story of, of what happened. And I think it's important to remember your history, um, but it's important to remember all sides of it. Yeah. And along those lines, diversity in tourism, there've been a lot of racial tensions in the United States to say the least. The travel industry is, is, is paying attention to that. So do you think that all people feel safe when traveling? Are you approaching the issue of racial equality when it comes to tourism? Are you talking to operators? Are you talking to hotels? Are you talking to people in, the, in these towns about, about racial equity in tourism? Is that, is that something that's come up? With, uh, how about with? Yeah, I think it it's really has emerged as an issue. Uh, and it's an issue in tourism. I think uh, we've seen it before that uh, it is underrepresented. Um, so we've tried to do some things working with our, our HBCUs here in North Carolina, and um, we're, we're trying to get better about it. I think it's a challenge the industry faces uh, across the nation. Okay, Dwayne? Along the same lines, yeah, we, yeah, I think the tourism industry is making more of a concerted effort to recruit more minorities, more African-Americans. I think that will help as time goes by. Certainly tourism is a great place that we want to welcome everybody. You know, we just see one color and that's green. That's the almighty dollar. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's about. And so we want to attract everyone, of whatever, whoever that may be. Um, to, and we've got wonderful things to see in both states, wonderful things to do, great, wonderful places to eat, historic sites, beaches, golf, mountains, small cities. There's so many wonderful things to see. We, we think we can attract everyone of all of all stripes, if you will, uh, to both the Carolinas. And I, I think that as far as feeling safe, I would hope so in today's world. We certainly, I think it is. I mean, I've been around throughout the state and it seems to be certainly from my standpoint. And a final question from me is the, is the CARES Act. There's been a lot of relief that has been pumped into these different industries. Has it made a big difference 
Dwayne? Yes, I think, you know, the CARES Act has brought more testing, has brought more um, medical care, uh, brought more attention to the virus. Um, it's also helped re, uh, replenish, if you will, cities, uh, counties, and the state in regard to our costs associated with that. Obviously, tax revenues are down. That's made a big impact. And if nothing else, it allows us to do some of the normal things like WIT and I do in terms of marketing promotion, allows us to do those things because and not have as many cuts as we would have otherwise. Okay, and WIT, quickly. Yeah, it's been huge in, in providing that stimulus back to the economy when we really needed it. Uh, and a really great thing is they've now come out and said that a lot of the local tourism offices are eligible for this. Because one of the biggest challenges we're having is well, right now everybody needs to be out there marketing, but many of these local tourism offices, convention and visitors bureaus and chambers of commerce, they're funded on occupancy tax and, and they're not getting any of that occupancy tax. So when they need to market the most, they've got the least amount of resources to do it. So uh, I really think that the CARES Act funds have been crucial to our recovery and will continue to be. I want to thank both of you for tackling this issue with us. It is one that is of great interest to everyone in North and South Carolina because it, it impacts so many people who work, who live, so many in the state. Thank you for taking the time to unpack it for us. I want to thank both of you, Dwayne and Witt, for joining us. I know the men and women in the hospitality and tourism industry will stay safe. On behalf of Chris and the entire team at Carolina Business Review, stay safe and well. Thank you for watching. We'll see you next time. Major funding for Carolina Business Review provided by High Point University, Martin Marietta, Colonial Life, The Duke Endowment, Barings, Grant Thornton, Sonoco, Blue Cross Blue Shield of South Carolina, and by viewers like you. Thank you.